Hello, I'm Piero Vitelli, and welcome to Dancing in the Line of Fire, a series of podcasts exploring aspects of presentation delivery. Don't forget, you're welcome to join the discussion on Twitter using the hashtag Dancing in the Line of Fire, all one word, and in so doing, you will contribute to the final episode. I'll try to address any questions you may have had along the way. But for now, let's get going with Chapter 3. Preparation is not rehearsal. Proprioception is a hidden sense, controlled by the unconscious, that tells the brain where our body is in space, and we rely on it to control enormous amounts of our daily lives. You may be listening to this podcast, but you're probably doing something else at the same time, perhaps walking the dog, or making a cup of tea, or driving to work. Forget for a moment the fact that you're keeping an eye on the dog and watching for potential hazards and enjoying the fresh air while you walk, and think instead about how you're walking, or for that matter, how you're making your tea or driving. To accommodate changes in the terrain, your brain is controlling the height to which you lift your feet each and every time you step, and constantly monitoring and adjusting your balance to prevent you from falling over. Operating a spoon to stir tea is only possible because your fingers are automatically and independently being coordinated, allowing you to grasp the spoon and move it in a circular direction. Notice how your hands move smoothly from steering wheel to indicator stalk to gear stick and back, and all the time you are minutely adjusting the pressure of your feet on the pedals. Your body is being constantly choreographed beautifully, precisely, and in minute detail. The old joke about describing someone as inept by saying that they can't walk and chew gum at the same time might be funny, but walking is no laughing matter sometimes, and it's fortunate that the majority of us have our unconscious brain to take care of it for us. It's something that Ian Waterman learned at the age of 19, when a virus cost him his proprioception and left him with no sense of the relative position of his limbs in space or whether or not they were actually moving. Faced with a lifetime of immobility, he chose to bypass his failed sense and learned how to walk again by consciously performing, through intense concentration, all the minute movements and adjustments that most of us take for granted on a daily basis when we place one foot in front of the other. The body has, he argues, an amazing facility to manage itself which you can't appreciate until it goes. He's right that most of us can't appreciate it, but sometimes, in certain moments, we might catch a glimpse of it. When we walk into a meeting late, and provoke a silence, and everyone watches us as we find our chair. As we step out onto a dance floor, and then somehow have to transition from walking to dancing. Crossing from our seat to the lectern, when we've just been introduced and are about to start our presentation. Our limbs can feel stiff and our movements jerky. Our feet don't meet the floor as fluidly as they usually do, and we sometimes miscalculate whether we need three or four strides to reach our destination. 
we feel far more self-conscious than we normally do, and it can feel incredibly strange. We can and do have moments of physical awkwardness that may not be as pronounced as those Ian Waterman experienced, but they can certainly make us feel uncomfortable. This is, I suggest, because even though we're performing a simple act with which we are very familiar, our sudden and keen awareness of being watched seems to alter our self-perception so much. It isn't that our brains, as George Jessel suggested, have stopped. It's that our heightened level of self-consciousness makes us so much more aware of what we're doing. And, if you'll pardon the 1980s song reference, every breath you take, every move you make, and every step you take, it won't be me watching you, it'll be you. And that's the problem. By studying electrical activity within the brain, research has shown that the act of repeating a task will actually change the brain structure over time. This explains why certain tasks like brushing teeth, lacing up shoes or buttoning up a shirt become, with repetition, tasks that we can accomplish with little focus, energy or conscious brain activity. They are programs literally carved into our brains. But if you watch a child learning how to do any of these tasks at a young age, you'll see a mind struggling with the effort needed to coordinate limbs, fingers and memory. Life is a process of consciously learning to do new things which, with practice over time, gently subside from the conscious to the unconscious where they become routines that can be performed effectively and efficiently but with minimal conscious effort. Lifting those long-ago learned routines back up into the conscious world reveals the complexity, dexterity and skills that most of us take for granted. And if you want evidence of that, next time you speak to someone, notice what your tongue and lips have to do in order for you to produce clearly enunciated words. Preparing a presentation is the act of crafting a story so that it can be told. You have to decide on which bits of information should be included and which shouldn't. You have to choose a structure to organise that information into a narrative and design any visual aids that you might need to support it. And, whether online or face-to-face, -face, you need to make sure that all the logistics, such as room, chairs and projector, or computer, internet and Zoom, are in place and working. All of this is absolutely essential, because preparation is the groundwork. But stories must be shared, and presentations must be given, and unless you're writing a book or sending an email, that's what rehearsal is for. And it's the discipline of lifting your story from your notes, delivering it out loud, refining it with feedback, and repeating it so as to make it as familiar as possible. Through repetition and practice, the act of giving a presentation can start to shift, even if only slightly, from the conscious towards the unconscious, and the space freed up in our conscious mind then becomes the resource we need to allow us to focus on our audience to make sure, as best we can, that we are serving them, responding to their needs, and hopefully exceeding their expectations. I maintain that the rehearsal process is not optional, and yet, over the years, the majority of presenters I have coached have gone to great lengths to avoid it. But, as the saying goes, 
The amateur rehearses until they get it right, and the professional rehearses until they can't get it wrong, but neither can start to rehearse until they have finished their preparation. The purpose of a presentation is, yes, to share information and inform, but isn't it also to educate, to inspire and entertain? Shouldn't we strive for that too? Of course it takes effort, a great deal of effort, just like when you learn to tie your shoelaces, but I think it's worth it. After all, when was the last time you went to a presentation that was too enjoyable, too memorable, or just too much fun? I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and thank you for listening. Why not join the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag DancingInTheLineOfFire, all one word, and help shape the content of the last episode. If you want to find out more about the work I do, then visit island41.com, and I hope you'll join me next time. <laughs>